Good morning. This is Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. My dad will be joining us. Oh, I hear him coming now. Had to go get the iPad of knowledge. I'm here. Aha. Got the iPad of knowledge. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's my main tool. Yeah. They do make good tools for um, browsing through and like collecting up articles and things that you want to then talk about later. Um, they're just good kind of browsing tools. I mean, you know, I know there's people who are living off their iPads and doing lots of things that, um, you know, are, uh, you know, producing, you know, there, there's, uh, word processors and spreadsheets and things that work on the iPad. And, uh, I find that that is, and I don't know whether it is just the fact that it's different than what I'm used to, or is it actually just a little bit more awkward and less less intuitive? But it just I don't find like the spreadsheet app. Is, I, the word processors work pretty fine. I don't have any issues with that. But yeah. like every time I've tried to use a spreadsheet on an iPad, I end up feeling like I'm jumping through hoops just to get it to work the way I want it to. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess my view of the world is I I don't really have much use for a keyboard anymore. Therefore. Mm-hmm. That just gets in the way on the computer, and uh, yeah. I, although I, I like the fact that the computer has a stabilizing feature to sit on a table, but that's also why I like the uh, uh, iPad that I just got from you with a keyboard, so I can, you know, set it up when I want to and yeah. not have it in. Yeah, they've got nice keyboard cases that are actually incredibly thin on them, so they don't take up much space. And that way, you've got the keyboard there, and, and you you know when you're like if you're traveling or something, you you've got a keyboard available if you need it. Um, but you know you you don't have to use it. Um, you, it. You know what's funny is is that I've learned that uh, first of all, you can't use it until you. I mean, once it's attached, it thinks that's the keyboard you want to use. So I can mm-hmm. change it over to the screen keyboard, even with the keyboard attached, and use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, just just out of habit, it's easier for me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, if exactly, if it's in the case and you want to type something, um, using the mainly, mainly because the keyboard puts the screen in landscape mode, and therefore you have to have it in landscape mode to do that. And some programs don't let you work in landscape mode. So, you know, it's a it's a hassle. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, I, I really don't like I, I consider that a badly written or badly formed iPhone or, or iPad app that doesn't allow you to change the orientation of the phone. I think yeah. every app should should acquiesce to I, the fact that the phone or the iPad can be held at different angles. I know, I know. But you you, you gotta tell a thousand developers that, you know? Right. I mean, it's it's you know, and and, it, and I think that Apple, although they don't do as good a job, um, you know, they don't do as good a job uh, as they used to about putting out the Apple Design Guide or the Apple Style Guide. Um, they do still have that, and and I and I believe that's what is recommended. But you know, it's not like they can enforce it. They're, they're not going to. I guess they could enforce it and say, if you don't do it, we won't allow it in the in the store. But they've chosen not to make that a point of contention. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I um, in in one of my cars do not have CarPlay, and so I just plug my phone into the uh, into an audio jack so that I can hear it. And it sits in a little like foam stand thing, and it's in landscape mode. 
that's horizontal. And it's irritating when apps pop up, you know, and I mean, I love, um, uh, Overcast is a podcasting app that I use and uh-huh. it, it does not recognize that you've turned it sideways. And I understand, you know, I mean, it's, there's, you, you basically, all you see is like a, a screen. I mean, half the screen is, a, is the shot of whatever the art is for that show. Uh, yeah. And then the other half is essentially an area where you can, you know, go forward, backwards, pause, and play. I mean, that's. The, yeah. But I, I've I've seen somebody take those two two halves and rotate them ninety degrees so that when you turn it sideways, the whole screen doesn't rotate, but each half of the screen just rotates as if it was two boxes next to each other, and now you've got a perfectly viable. Um, uh, landscape version of that type of screen and i don't know why he doesn't do that to me it's, this doesn't seem like it should be that big of a programming deal and it yeah. would make it much more usable for me well it, it i was going to say it kind of comes back to the old argument about a bunch of rules there's a people there's a whole group of people out there who think that rules keep you from having freedom when in fact without mm-hmm. rules you have chaos and no freedom at all you know, yeah. I mean that's that's a generalization from a, a philosopher. I don't know who it was, but right. Uh, anyway, yeah. Well, it's they they feel like it's going to stifle creativity if there are are hard, you know in hardly are strongly enforced um, rules versus you know no rules. And you know the thing is is and that's and that's one of the knocks that some people have had about Apple products for a long time is that they enforce a structure on things more so than Windows did and more so on than um Android does, you know, on the phones. Mm-hmm. Um but as a result, they have a more cohesive product that for the end user I think is a more pleasurable experience because the, yeah. because the apps behave in in standard ways. Um, yeah, it's 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 not one of those either or things. It's get the right combination of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Get, get the right right rules and and yeah. throw out the nonsense. If you've got some pe- some people complaining that you're too strict and others complaining you're not too not strict enough, then you're probably just right. You're in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, yeah. uh, what? Uh, What's the big topics for the day? I, to me, it was that I just sent you a little quip out of a bigger article regarding mm-hmm. the, the confirmation tests on the speed of the uh, the new Apple Silicon. And yeah. uh, I've read a lot of uh, other sort of generalizations about it all, saying that uh, they, Apple has suddenly got a tremendous marketing advantage. I mean, they, they gained in, in computer sales at a rate of about 40 percent where most of them were down in the 20s or less mm-hmm. uh, just this last year before apple silicon now where's it going to go to you know uh, yeah pe- people are probably going to really eat it up yeah and i mean even, well even anybody who understands the, the 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 benefits but what's nice is and this is goes to um we had talked about previously about them not really changing the look of the physical devices those who don't recognize that they have changed the underlying technology because the box looks exactly the same, whether it be the Mini, right. the Air, or the 13-inch Pro, it looks exactly yeah. the same as as their old stuff. Um, but it performs so much better, and and literally, there's nobody else in the industry who has anything unless they're hiding something that we're unaware of, and they're going to you know spring it on us here shortly. 
um, you know, they're, they're at least a couple years behind now in terms of something that works well. And although Windows yeah. has a version of itself that runs on ARM, it's not, they don't have a, uh, a similar technology to Rosetta that allows all the old stuff to still run on it well. And yeah. so um, it's it's been pretty stunning, some of the, the statistics we're finding. Like uh, the, excuse me, the, the fanless MacBook Air with the M1 chip in it performs better than the top-of-the-line Intel 16-inch MacBook with a fan and can do it at extended periods of time while getting, you know, 18 hours of battery life versus uh, eight hours yeah. of battery life. And that, you know, I mean, that's pretty stunning. Um, yep. yep. I, I was listening to uh, another podcast that I enjoy that t- talks about tech stuff. And, and in fact, it was uh, Marco Armit, the gentleman who wrote uh, Overcast, the, the podcasting app I was just talking about. He compiled uh, Overcast on his 27-inch uh, iMac Pro. Now, this is a, about a $6,000 iMac Pro desktop computer. And it took him about 45 seconds to compile it. He then compiled mm-hmm. it on his brand new 16 gigabyte MacBook Air. And it took 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Three times well, as that, fast. <laughs> yeah. That, that comparison that I showed you also had a significant cost difference, uh, too, because he, they were using the 699 model of the Mini versus the. Uh, the cheapest uh, 16 uh, inch. Uh, yeah, it's MacBook about a $2,300 computer versus a $700 computer. That's, that's right. Yeah. Now, and, I will say the $700 computer that they're comparing it to has no keyboard, no screen, no touchpad or mouse, whereas the laptop did. That's why I like the comparison to the MacBook Air more, and yeah. that's a $1,000 computer. It's still less than half the cost. The other significant thing is they had them both running the latest operating system so that the software mm-hmm. was comparable uh, right. as well as, uh, right. uh, you know, any, anything else that might have impacted it. So it was a mm-hmm. very fair test. One, one of the comments I liked best was a guy, actually it was in the, in the uh, uh, investor uh, marketplace that, that I saw it. And the guy said that he poo-pooed the comment by uh, the lead uh, hardware guy that when they first announced it back in the summer, and he was talking about how smooth it is. Well, smooth, you know, what what does that really mean? That can't be any big deal, you know. Well, until he tried it. And by smooth, what he means is everything is so instant. I mean, you've never seen it. It's so stunningly there, you know, when you, you touch the button to bring up an app it's there you know <laughs> you don't right. wait for anything and and so the experience is totally different just because of the speed just right yeah i mean there's there was a uh you can go find it on youtube there's a guy who who opens he puts every one of the included applications that comes with the computer on the uh, taskbar at the bottom and then he starts at the left side and goes click 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 clicking on each icon to launch each app and each each little icon goes up and comes down, and that app is running. And so he has mm-hmm. every app on the computer running within um, uh, like eight seconds. Because <laughs> he goes <laughs> click 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 click, and they all go yep. boop, boop 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 boop, and that's it. They're all running. And um, anyway, the, there's there's also some people out there who recognize something we talked about last week, and that is 
as great as these things sound right now, you know that being just announced and on the lowest end machines that in the next year you're going to see some significant improvements oh sure uh, and as as well as maybe even two years or three years out yeah uh, yeah so, the uh, the higher end pro laptops and the desktops are all going to be significantly more powerful computers that will be able to to handle uh more or have on them more than 16 gigabytes of memory and uh, we'll probably have additional um, uh, computing cores. And you know also that Apple has gone through and fine-tuned their, um, their compiler on their development environment to take advantage of these computers in, in um, multi-threading things as much as possible to take advantage of, of the multiple cores. You know, yeah. there's still a lot of single-core applications out there, but if they update them and recompile them, um, I suspect that that's going to automatically start moving things to multi-core, taking advantage of multi-core when it's there, um, you know, and which it'll always be there on the M1 chips. So um, it'll well, take advantage of those. And probably also built into the compile will be something that'll say, you know, if you need, if, if you have any kind of background things, then signal to the to the system, let's just run on the low power core so we save energy. Yeah. The, the other thing that I've... Uh read is uh, somebody who's really familiar with the compiler for uh, uh, building programs and and how it uses a lot of what you might just refer to as subroutines that that have common functions that are used all over and and now those subroutines are basically in hardware and mm -hmm. so you're really you're really calling hardware to do a whole bunch of jobs that have been determined to be common over lots of software and over a period of time they've accumulated mm -hmm. this stuff and says hey why don't we just put this in hardware you know and yeah within the so, ide if there's you know they know how many calls are going to certain subroutines let's just let's just make that subroutine optimized as much as possible so, right so yeah that's that's what you refer to as integration of hardware and software you know mm -hmm. when, when if you really want to just talk about what that really means that says just put those soft former software things that are have enough use that that we and and we've got the silicon this we've got the space for it now you know we can put them on there and uh and everybody gets the benefit you know mm-hmm so yep uh, in other in other words it's kind of like taking much of the software library that you grab uh when yeah. you compile if people are familiar with compilers it it uses a sort of a standard library of a lot of the yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's part of their integrated development environment, their IDE. Right, and and so that's now becoming a hardware library, if you will. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that's, um, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of just smart things. And again, it's because they own the, the whole thing from nuts to bolts, right? So they have the ability to say, hey, you know, you can use right. other development environments if you want, but if you use ours, you get optimized in ways that nobody else can do, because you know we exactly. we we we're tightly integrated here. Um, yeah, I will say one thing though. You know, in in uh, the screenshot that you sent me, uh, you know, it was using some uh, Geekbench uh, scores to compare yeah. the speeds of processors, and. Um, I don't know in this particular case, but they, you need to make sure that you're looking at, uh, or at least know what you're looking at in terms of those Geekbench scores. Meaning, was the Geekbench application, which is creating that score by running a test on the machine, 
compiled to run on ARM, or was it running as an Intel emulated application on uh, on Rosetta? Because uh, they're both valuable pieces of information, but if it's running as emulated, that tells you that if you're running an older application that has not been recompiled, it's still going to you know beat the pants off of whatever uh, laptop you were using previously. Uh, but that if they compile it actually for that device uh, in for an M1 Mac, then that that new app will run even faster yet. I, I'm pretty sure all those benchmark programs are basically source code, and uh, otherwise you, you don't you don't really learn much, you know. In other words, well, you, I, you compile I, it to run on your machine. I have um, I have looked at multiple tests, and some are one, and some are the other. They are they are compiled applications. You can go download Geekbench and run it, and. Um, and you can get now versions of it that work for the or that have been compiled for the M1. But there's also uh, Mac OS versions that run on for for Intel processors. And if you run the Intel one on the Mac one chip, it then runs in Rosetta's emulation mode. And you get yeah. slightly slower numbers than if you run it directly in native mode. But that still, either way, the numbers are still faster than the Intel. Uh, based right. laptops which is just stunning yeah I, it, it look looking to the future though I, it makes no sense to me to to go anywhere below the source code level when you when you go to compare if, if you if you can't make it you know if you don't have the the software to to run it on your machine uh, then you really shouldn't be in the geekbench business but those people that are, are are doing that are all developers they have the tools to convert it and and use the latest and greatest compilers, so they take Why? the whole. It's a well, system test, then. It's not just a software test or a hardware test. You know? I don't understand why what you're saying. You're saying that it's not valid if they don't compile the application on the machine they're running the test on. Uh, it very well. Well, what do you mean by valid? That's the. That's where. Well, we that's what. Start. That's what I'm concerned I'm, with because I don't understand what you're saying. Well, by by, uh, if if you want a syst- true system test where you're testing the capabilities of both the hardware and the software, then you want to compile it. Why? The only way, then, you know, because that's the only way you're going to get a, a measure of both together, the integrated system. I don't, I don't understand why. Any, every application if, runs on the hardware and, and is the software. But the people selling you this stuff are, are going to compile the version you download for your system. If, if they're not, they're stupid because they're, you're not going to get the best performance. So, you know, there's going to be a period. But that's what I just got to... done saying, is there's two versions out there of some of these. Some that are designed to run on Intel hardware and some that are designed to run on M1 hardware. And right. I was just asking if it was, you know, in the if in this, because again, you sent me a screenshot, so I didn't, I don't have an article. I don't can't re- look, refer to anything other than just the screenshot. It doesn't say oh. whether the version of Geekbench they were running was was unique to you know like obviously the one running on the MacBook Pro 16 inch was a, 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 an in, Intel source code. Now the it says the exact same numbers running on the Mac Mini, so that may have been Intel source code too. That means it was running in Rosetta, or it may be a recompiled version of that same stuff that's now running for M1. I'm saying yeah. there's value in doing it both ways. Oh well. 
because one uh, tells you how fast Rosetta is able to to perform as an Intel, and it's still yeah. faster than an Intel. The other tells you how fast the machine can be in its native mode. Right, right. Well, uh, are if, we saying the same thing? We're, we're, we're in a transition period where you're right. There's people who will want to know both things. But it, it won't be very long, if people intend to stay in the business, that they're going to not run the Rosetta code anymore because that's obviously oh, clearly. going to be slower. Clearly, so yeah. It's, and it's in a fact, transition path. That's, all, it's, that's okay. all it is. We're saying the same thing. It's just you're using the word compile in a way that I misunderstood what you were saying. You were saying compile, and as opposed to compiled with a D on the end of it. Um, oh, it, it it's so you're not saying they have to compile the Geekbench application on your computer. They have to have a version of an executable that was compiled for your computer. That's correct. Then we're saying the exact same thing. Yeah, we're, we're on the yeah. same page. Yeah, my point was is that during this time period, though, there's also value in running the one that was not, was compiled for Intel on the M1 because there are still applications out there that are not yet recompiled, and so that gives you an idea of how uh, how those will run in emulation mode. And by most accounts, they're going to run faster. Not all, not well, every account, but but well, but from from what I've seen. It's 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 stunning to think that the new that these new computers are so so much faster that they can run emulation of an Intel processor still faster. Well, well, the other thing you need to know is that everything that runs through Rosetta goes slow only that first time, and right. then it actually replaces the code with the Rosetta compiled code because it's in a sense compiler. Yeah, it is. It is doing. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing. Now, um, I think what they're doing is they're replacing a lot of the calls, so that any of the calls to the development environment, to the um, to anything like like core audio and core video and things, those are all being replaced. But the actual core application itself self still has to run an emulation because there's no way for them to recompile a compiled piece of code that was custom written by a, a developer. Uh, there's there's an optimization of some sorts that happens in Rosetta, and right. and they said they said that you will run eighty percent. Excuse me, uh, was it how was that? It was eighty percent. It has to be faster, but that sounds like slower. I think the first time is eighty percent as fast as it will be. Yeah, as I've heard, it, it, it the launch time is a little slower on the initial launch, and that sometimes it can take up to twenty seconds while it's prepping that first launch. But after that, it'll launch instantaneously because it's already made the the, the new links. And as I understand it, like you know, an application has like the core code of the application, and then it makes calls to the to the programming library. And what mm-hmm. it does is it goes and replaces all of those calls to the Intel library with equivalent calls to the um, to the new M1 library. So all the calls are running natively, um, but the actual core code itself isn't. It's still running as an emulation. But yeah. uh, a lot of what you see in I mean, a lot of that core code is just the, the like the screen design and stuff that a lot of the actual um, you know functions happen by making calls to the API, the application programming yeah. uh, well, interface. Anyway, so. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of details that are, yeah. that are difficult to, 
to right. explain. Well, and 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 I think I'm, I'm I think I'm, I'm you know we're both presuming a lot because not being yeah. somebody who are hands-on developers, we haven't you know we're kind of guessing as to how they're they're doing this stuff, but um, right. it's uh, nonetheless it's pretty stunning that they're able to get uh, the speed that they're able to get even in emulation mode. You know, and then if you get a a truly rewritten M1 app, uh, you'll get even faster. Yep. So, uh, anyway, it's it's an exciting time. Uh, So, so my question is, when when are you getting your M1 Mac? Well, remember, (laughs) I told you the last time. I think I'm going to wait for a year and see the next model because I think it'll be enough improvement. You know, and I, and the, as I told you, I'm really an iPad guy, and we're talking about computers here. And the real question I want to answer in that year is how well integrated is the iPad code in this computer? If you're right. going to use it, I want to, I want to read some articles about how to use an iPad on your new computer. Yeah, you know, and I've heard um, again in a podcast, I've heard somebody talk about that, and they said that it's a little chunky. It's not a perfect, um, yeah. They, they and they presumed that it was going to get better as well, but that you know the the uh, translation of things that are touch interfaces to things that work with, uh, especially if you're using a mouse, they said it's a little difficult. If you have a um, a touchpad like you would in a laptop, or if you buy the the little touchpad that you can use on uh, on a desktop, uh, mm-hmm. if that's your preferred mouse controller, that that's a little bit easier because it's it's actually a touch interface as well. Um, so it, yeah. it works a little bit better, which makes sense. Um, so, so you know, it, what I'm thinking, Todd, is that I would never buy another computer for a computer's sake, because I'm an iPad guy. Okay, right. But I would buy would I, I would buy one that gives me the computer capability, but lets me use the iPad as easily as I can use the current iPad. And it, but I want that confidence that yeah. the iPad part of the th- thing works well. And yeah. I know that the first time out, they're going to focus on the computer side of it. You see, right? So uh, what you what you were just talking about there sounds like yeah, they're they're doing it, but it's not very. Yeah, very that's what I've read. Is it's you know honestly, I think that that the the uh, you know golden unicorn of this is Apple conceding that they just need put a touch screen on their on their dang computers, and in fact. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they come out with a version of their computers that's sort of like the um, Lenovo Yogas, where the screen can flip all the way around. Uh, yep. And so, uh, you know, you'll have the back of it will then be the keyboard, much like when you're yep. holding the iPad with the key with the keyboard case on it. Um, yep. And and you could do that, or or they come out with a version of the iPad Pro. That also can, when you attach your keyboard, then gives you the option of running it as a Mac. Because it's that, the same processor. That, All they have to do is throw an extra bit of, uh, of memory in it. Right now they're at 6 gigabytes. Right? They, and, they move it up and, to 8. And, <laughs> they're from there. My pers- and from my perspective, that's the machine I want. <laughs> it's an iPad first. <laughs> yeah. But does that does computer things you know yeah well you know when they um when they first announced this and they started making available to developers the development environment machines that were essentially little mac minis that had the um, a12 processor in it Mm -hmm. um before they announced that machine 
I was guessing that what they were going to say was you'll be able to just run it on the new uh, MacBook Pros. Or not MacBook Pros, the um, uh, Air, AirPad, I, shoes, iPad Pros. There we go. iPad <laughs> Pros. Because they had six gigabytes of memory in them, and they had an A12 processor. And the machine that they ended up shipping out to, to, uh, to developers for testing had 16 gigabytes of memory and an A12 processor. And so mm-hmm. you go, well... You know, six gigabytes is is a little tight, and maybe they felt like that just wasn't quite enough. But yeah. you know, if you uh, you know if if you take that six and and turn it into eight on an on an i on an iPad, there's absolutely nothing that would say that iPad is not capable of running Windows, especially when you get that new um, three hundred dollar keyboard that has the the little touchpad in it. Mm-hmm. You know. Then you essentially have, and then you peel it off and it's an iPad. But when you stick it back to the case, it's like, oh, now you have the option. You can run it as an iPad or as a Mac. Pick the one you want. Yep, yep. So, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll all be market driven. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about it is that that we'll see improvements and changes Mm -hmm. spread out over a, a three, four year period. And so if you if you jump in the game too early, you'll say, "Oh, why didn't I wait?" You know. Yeah, but can you imagine that? That's the difference between your iPad Pro and a regular iPad or an iPad Air. Is that the iPad Pro, when attached to the keyboard, can also be your Mac? Yep. I mean, <laughs> that is like that's like the 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 perfect machine, right? Take the yeah, iPad well, with you when you want the iPad. When you when you need the Mac capabilities, just. Click it onto the magnetic well, case, and you're ready to roll. Well, and you see, I, I'm sitting here with uh, your former iPad, so you know what it looks like for me. I, I have this, I have this uh, USB three plug here on the side that's absolutely open, and so all I need for that is to run a little cable out of that over to this bus with all my peripherals, everything. Yeah. Right? And and yeah. that's a high speed bus that'll split out to you, you name it. You yeah. Don't care how many jacks you want on there, but it can be powered. It can be uh-huh. everything. Well, and you know the new <laughs> one. The new one is going to go from USB three to USB four, which also has then Thunderbolt capability built into it. So you can right. attach some really high end equipment to that if you wanted to. Um, yeah. You can already drive. You know, off of that that port, you can drive a four K monitor. Um, right. I mean, it's it's it's. The only thing I would say with that is, it seems to me that there should be more than one port on, on any kind of computer. I think that like your little laptop is, uh, you have the original, uh, 12 inch MacBook laptop. And I think that was a huge drawback on that computer for a lot of people. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you can either plug it into power or you can have it a peripheral, you know, but you can't do both unless you go buy a dongle that splits it out, you know, and, and it seemed like, oh, you got to have a dongle to read a, a USB card. Oh, you got to have a dongle to, to use power and, well, uh, you know, run a monitor. Oh, you got to have, you know, it was like. The, well, that, that was the real problem with this whole thing. There were a jillion dongle, dongles and right. none of them did the job you wanted. Right. Yeah, I think that Not was a, a, a I mean, miscalculation Apple on Apple's part in terms of Apple, like. Apple should have designed that uh, that strip or whatever you want to call it. For a connection to the peripherals and done it right 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, Relying nobody, on third nobody. parties is has been a, a, a huge bust. Yep. So that that was the the disappointment, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, in fact, there's only one thing that will still has enough power that I can plug my uh, DVD CD read write uh, device to, mm-hmm. and that's the one I got from Apple. All, all none of the rest will support it. It too, consumes too much power. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. if if Apple's going to force you to use a whole bunch of little adapters in order to get anything done, then they should have a supply of adapters that they designed that work properly. Because <laughs> a lot of the other people, uh, I mean, and, and that's been a frustration for a lot of people. There's just a lot of of uh, garbage out there in that in that world. Yep. So, anyway, uh, that's that's my complaint about all of the my experience with a. Uh, version number one i don't want to make a version number one mistake again (laughs) yeah it's just just too costly you know yeah no i agree i um i think that the uh um you know as as miraculous as these gen one um laptops and the little mac mini sound um i think that you know, we're, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg and there's much more to come. And so, you know, and it's one of those deals where if you need a computer, go get one. And at this point, I couldn't recommend not getting an M1 based computer from Apple. You know, there's no reason on earth to buy one of the Intel ones unless you just absolutely have to have, you know, X number of ports or something physically about that computer that makes it just a must have for you. But yeah. uh, if there's any way to put it off a little while, I'd say just hang on, hang on, just wait and see. You know, the second gen, whether they call it M2 or M1 and a letter or whatever, that comes into the rest of the um, the laptop line and probably the iMac line uh, will tell us a lot about, oh, yeah. you know, how much more we're going to see out of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I was also reading something the other day talking about like that 16 gigabyte limit and the Mac Pros. Because the whole reason that people wanted the Mac Pro and that they went and redesigned it was because they want to be able to add memory to it or add video cards to it, you know. And in the machines they've got right now, everything is integrated right. into the into the thing. But you know, there's nothing stopping them from uh, creating, you know, their own unique super high speed bus to external graphics cards and external memory that could be really, really high-speed quality memory um, and and still give that to you. I mean, you know that when they designed that Mac Pro, that they knew that the company was developing M1 chips, and so it had to have been designed with the idea that it's going to house something other than an Intel chip at some point um, to allow the, the really high-end people to customize their machines in ways that you can't with, you know, iMacs and laptops. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that... I, I suspect that'll be the last one that gets switched over to M1. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Just because well, it adds a lot of complexity. But I, I, I would be surprised if they if they stuck with the everything's on the chip, you can't upgrade it or do anything with it after you've bought it philosophy for that level of a computer. It's, it's hard to say. I, I don't know just how you handle some of that. Because there's benefits to the integrations that uh, uh, 
it means that you want to put as much as you can on chips single chips these days because they're they're the transient times are just so much better and that's why you get the speed mm-hmm. performance yeah so but i mean so, uh, using existing buses for external graphics cards and external memory cards um you know slows things down but there's nothing saying they have to use any kind of existing buses they can design that from scratch to meet their desired performance standards yeah you know well, there's there's basic physics involved in transmission yeah. times, you know. Yeah. So, well, well, yeah. You're going you further; it takes longer, right? <laughs> that's it. You know, you can't can't beat Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah. She's got her rules, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway, <clears throat> what do you think the new frontier is in the in the use of uh, computers and electronics and networks and all of that kind of stuff yeah where do we where do we go from here well that's the interesting thing you know they've built okay so now they have like some of the fastest computers on uh, on the planet right and what do you yeah. do with them you run yeah. you run uh, your video meeting software and you do a word processor and a spreadsheet and sometimes a slide thing for taking online classes, <laughs> right? I mean, this we already have computers that are overkill for all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that's the, the flip side of it is they've created something that there's, no, at this point, no obvious need for. So the question is, what is the, the new frontier, right? Right. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. The guy sorts that out, makes billions of bucks, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I think that the long rubbered Apple glasses and the integration of, uh, you know, the augmented reality idea is something that will find a niche that we will start seeing, um, you know, as that, that technology develops that... You know, on your glasses, you you know, some of the information you can, I mean, I don't want like, you know, Facebook notifications popping up on my glasses, but, but, uh, you know, the, the classic case is, you know, you're traveling somewhere and you see the directions overlaid on the road, right? You see the green line, just follow, you know, follow the yellow brick road, you know, and, uh, and, you know, that's sort of a classic implementation of augmented reality right it's like when you want to find something it's you know nobody else sees it but through your glasses you see the line on the road and it's just like okay that's the way we go you don't have to worry about you know taking your eye off the road it's it's there um yeah but see you know it's it's hard to see that kind of thing as even being a big advancement because if you use uh car play through your your uh car and see the Mm-hmm. The map there, and in fact, it not—it's not just a map. You don't even need to look at the map. It tells yeah. you when you're. Yeah, you turn, get voice. You know? Yeah, you get voice directions, so you don't necessarily even have to look away from and, the screen. And, and as I said, when you got their watch on, it it vibrates and says your turn's coming soon. So you look up. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you should be looking up anyway. Yeah, that would be the hope. You know, at, some, <laughs> at, 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 at some point, when we get to, uh, you know, sort of automated steering and stuff like that you might not be looking up but you might want to be alerted to certain things you know yeah well the other thing is is that by using bluetooth 
um, and by using that wideband uh, radio that they really haven't used very much, that you'll recognize when there's other iPhones around. And so if you have your glasses on and somebody comes walking up to you, like floating in the sky above their head will be their name and the name of their, you know, their their spouse and their kids. And so, you know, you, you don't, you, for those of us who go, I, oh, you, hi, you're, um, um, what was your name again? <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be right I'm there. Like, you go, hello, Bob. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we get, we get rid of those embarrassing moments, right? Right. No, no reason not to know somebody's name yeah. and, and the, the history of their life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, their, their family members, their favorite hobbies, you know, that all can be like spieled out there for you. So, you yeah. know, and those are the kind of things that have been, um, uh, there's been science fiction books about augmented reality glasses, um, that have existed for a decade or more that, you know, that you think, well, okay, those are the kind of things that might be useful at some point to say, Hey, um, you know, I, I, I can, um, have a little bit smoother interaction with the world and not not be uh, ostracized for not remembering names very well. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but, but then because of some little thing called a virus, we'll all be sitting in our little cubicle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to matter. You know, it pops up on the screen in front of you, right? Right. We're all hiding. Yeah. So uh, it, it we'll, um, solves, you know, solves one problem, but then we got bigger problems, you know. What they'll do is, see, we'll all have um, little autonomous robots that'll be walking around with cameras on them and we'll be remote controlling them from our little cubicles hidden in our houses, right? So we'll never right. go out, but we can control our little robot that'll go out and pick up our groceries and bring them back. And we can, you know, we can we can send them automated or we can sit there and, and control them on the road, right? Well, and eventually well, well, those gonna robots have, we're gonna have, will... We're, we'll, we're going to have robot squabbles, you know? You're going to run into somebody or somebody's going to yeah. run into your robot. You'll turn around and pop them one in the face. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you, and your robot will eventually start looking enough like you that, that, that you know, they'll that they'll they'll be basically uh, surrogates for you walking around. Right. So, yeah, and then, like you said, we could like see, yeah, you'll have, you know, fights in the grocery store between robots because you'll have no, uh, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll spiral down just like Facebook did, right, and Twitter, in that you have no, um, no reason to not misbehave because there's no social stigma to it, you know, you're not going to get hurt, it's not you, it's your robot, right? Yeah. And and the nerdy kid who was a little shy guy that you know was small, he's got the biggest. Yeah, robot, the biggest right? baddest robot in town. Sure. So my my robot can beat your robot, right? Yeah. Oh, and then and then the hacking, right? Hack into somebody's robot, and then you be running around being their robot. Right. Oh boy. Yeah. Weird world, huh? Yeah. But you stay inside where it's safe because that way, you know, your robot deals with all the, the germs and disease and, and the world that's now overheated because of global warming and all of the other, you know, throw every other uh, uh, horrible thing that's going to happen to us in the future in there, right? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, this is a kid's dream world, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's... And we talk about this stuff, but all of it has um, uh, been covered in one science fiction book or another, I think. Everything we've talked about in one way yeah. or another has been uh, been covered. It's, it's 
stunning. Well, well, see, we already have we already have these little. Uh, uh, hang it up. Flipped out of my mind. What are the th things you can design your own image? A uh, little uh, on the screen. Oh, the, uh, the avatars. Bots. Yeah. Bots or avatars. Avatars. The the memojis. Yeah, memoji. That's the yeah. word. Yeah. So, so you you get we're getting started that way, so we can figure out you know over time as as we get to be more make our emoji real really mobile and give them some wheels and whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can send him out and, uh, or her out, whatever. Yeah. Well, it can be whichever you want, right? Doesn't doesn't have to reflect you personally. You can just you can make your emoji or your your uh, your bot look like you any know, gender I, you feel like. By the way, I, I mentioned a, a, a disadvantage uh, that uh, we have in terms of shopping at home, and that is there's some things that we tend away from buying because. You, somebody else has got to make the selection for you. Uh, I, I, I want a remote camera that's used in every grocery store the, so that I get to pick it out, tell the person, pick that one up or whatever. You know, if it's not a robot, at least it's an it's a aided person having uh, your eyes there to look at stuff. Mm -hmm. So I could see that being integrated into, uh, into the system somehow so that you can sort of extend your eyeballs onto various products that that you want, you wouldn't buy if you couldn't take it out you know everybody has their own tastes yeah and so how how do you do that remotely so that i can go shopping like i used to see things and i of course i still can't feel them but <laughs> you know there's uh-huh but yeah so until you them, until so you get your uh your uh what was it? Uh, compression feedback glove on, right? Then you can. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, we'll fake all of your senses. You don't have to do anything for real. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you're right. You know, like picking out fresh vegetables. I mean, you know, you somebody can do it for you, but they may not have the same taste as you in in you know what looks good and what doesn't. Yeah. And, and I've seen, uh, read about several new companies are of grocery stores that are coming out, and they're totally reinvented. They're, they're, they're never designed for anybody to walk through the aisles. They're designed only for uh, automated shopping, so that when you pick something up, they have robotics that do it, so they don't even have to hire employees to at least bag it and put it in the store. You know, the standard stuff that you get, like in cans or even cold meats and ice cream and that kind of stuff, it can... It can put it together in the packages needed so when you're ready to come pick it up that then you probably will have you know uh, people still delivering it to your car or out in the parking lot somewhere but uh but they're basically eliminating the employees and that gives them more profit right so they can be more as a whole different model now of how to uh how to do grocery delivery yeah, I mean, it, you know, I mean, it almost makes sense. Remember, there was a, a store years ago called Best, not Best Buy, but Best. And you walked into a showroom and you looked at things. And then when you found something you wanted, you grabbed a little piece of paper and you wrote down the serial number on it. And you then turned that in at the cash register and paid. And whatever you did came down from the warehouse, which was usually up above the store. So like the second floor was all just warehousing. Yep. 
Yep. I remember those. Yeah. yeah, and that model, I think, you know, something, I mean, similar to that, where, where you know, you pick it up online and then the store is just basically a warehouse and it's got, you know, automated shelf-picking machines running back and forth, picking things up and putting together your pa- your, your order for you and, mm-hmm. you know, brings your order out to the curb and says, here it is. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of amazing stuff that's that's taken place, and it was all mm-hmm. forced on it by a virus, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it's things that I think people were trying and experimenting with, but because of the virus, certain op- opportunities have become more plausible, you know. Yeah, in fact, it made them rich for being ready, mm-hmm. ready to go. You know, yeah, Johnny on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, so today is Cyber Monday. There's lots of Cyber Monday sales out there. Yeah. I'm not going out. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, Cyber Monday is not going out. It's all done online, right? That, that's that's Bla- right, yeah. Black Friday is supposedly the day you go out and do shopping, although I think most of that was probably done online this year as well. Um, yeah. So it was set, uh, set record. So I'm wondering if some of the Cyber Monday stuff just didn't move to Friday. You know? Yeah, I think. Well, and I know there's been a lot of vendors who have just sort of said it's it's Cyber November. Um, Aztec okay. or Aztec. Amazon has had uh, a fair share of just spe- you know uh, November Black Friday specials that they've been running. If you look on their homepage each day this month, they've had things up up there. Uh, looks like some of the Apple stuff is available, not directly from Apple, but you can get them other places cheaper, like the uh, the basic AirPods, not the Pro, but the basic ones are like $109, and I think 119 was about the cheapest I'd seen before. But you you can get the AirPods Pro for $169 now, so that's... Um, yeah. Um, that's the still Model 1, though, isn't it? AirPods Pro only have one model. Oh, you're talking about the original AirPods. No, there's only one AirPods Pro. There's there's a a Model 1 and a Model 2 AirPods, but the difference between the AirPods is just the case. One of them supports uh, Qi charging and one doesn't. And and you're correct, it's just the regular charging case, not the wireless charging case. That one's another 30 bucks. Extra 30 bucks. By the way, I had a, a wrestling match with Amazon App the other day. And lo and behold, I finally found what I wanted, but it just almost refuses to show me. You know, if you just go search for something, it it pushes what it wants to sell, you know. It first wants to sell you on Kindle stuff. And good thing I looked, because I, what I was buying was a book, and it was, you know, or a, or was it? Well, there was two instances. I'm merging them. I was buying a book, but I was also buying a DVD. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, I couldn't. You know, where you have options, to it tells you all the different things that are available. And it kind of wanted to insist that there was this, not this thing available until I put it all explicitly in the search, and then I found what I wanted. But the That's app, interesting. I've never had that was, issue. Well, that's the first time I ever have. And I says, wait a minute. These guys are getting nasty. You know, they'll, you know if you feel like you really got to have this, you might end up settling for something you didn't want if you didn't know that you keep right on searching and get more detailed until you get what you want hmm. but uh, I, I was angry because I did two things I bought a DVD and I and I really insisted that it be uh, <clears throat> let's see I forgot what the, all the different options were there now uh, 
uh, I wanted to be sure I, there was a couple movies that that had the same title so I first had to get it down to the right title by including some of the uh, uh, actors and stuff in it and then I got that that right and then I uh, uh, there was something else you don't remember what book it was you were searching for though that didn't uh, work no, the way I don't you wanted re- to I don't remember it's, it's been a couple days now so I've you know I've done so many different things that I I can't recall the whole state of things, but anyway, uh, like I said, I was I was a little bit surprised. Uh, and, oh, and part of it was helping mom shop too, you know. Oh, and oh, then then they told us that what she wanted wasn't in stock anymore. That was that was a clincher because there were two other things associated with it that was still in the in the thing to buy. Now it was a question: Do we cancel all three? parts of the order or do we go back after it? And I ended up paying $10 more for this because I got it basically from some other outfit but it was shipped through Amazon and I got my still got my free shipping hmm. but I was I, by just waiting you know within an hour it, this thing disappeared from the basket it says it sold out you know yeah well that 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 can happen I mean it's very possible that you know if you haven't actually given them your money yet that somebody else could go buy it Yep, yep. You That's know. the first time it happened to me, but I suspect that was because I think it was Black Friday, and so yeah, all these offers out here, you know. Yeah, a lot of stuff going quick. So if you found something and, you want, go go get it. And when we first saw it, I I don't remember the number. It usually tells you how many are available, you know. Yeah, well, sometimes it does. One, the next one I found said there were nine available, and I said, "Well, gee, at the way this is going, that might go fast." So I got in a hurry and and got the thing before I had to end up paying even more, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah. Life life is getting complex even online shopping, you know? Yeah. Well, if you're if you're <laughs> like, buying physical items, you know, there are they they only have a limited number of them warehoused, right? Uh there were only yep. x number made. So, sometimes that's what yeah. you get. Whereas if you're buying, you know, you're buying it as a Kindle book, then you can buy it as many many as you want. They don't have to make more. You know, they can just ship bits. Um, I, you know, the thing that I've noticed too is originally Kindle books were always a little bit cheaper, and so it was like, great. You know, that makes sense because I can get the book, doesn't take up space on my shelf, and it's a little less expensive because they're not publishing it. I am shocked at how often the Kindle book is now a dollar or two more expensive than the paperback. Is that right? Which makes huh. no sense in the scheme of things but that is the case you know just pick a book and go look by the by the way they they advertised a free book something that i was considering to get as a gift but i wanted to know more about it so i decided to say oh i'll get the free book and check it out if it's good then i'll you know buy one maybe not a kindle book but i'll i'll buy a uh, the paperback or something for the gift mm-hmm. and anyway I downloaded it and it's running in the Kindle thing on my uh, iPad, but it is so slow that I you wait for pages, you know. Huh? It's pain. It's painful. It's not even worth downloading, and I don't know why that is, but uh, it has. Uh, That's weird. Yeah, I've never had that happen either. I I got it, but I've never seen anything in Kindle this slow. Mm-hmm. First, it loaded the table of contents, which now I could see everything that was in the book, which that helped a lot, because I wanted to know what it was. 
you know. But then I wanted to read in a, some, some, some particular sections. Uh, well, I'll tell you what it is, since it's not you, you. You'll keep a good secret here. Well, unless somebody listens to our radio podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does, does, Haley, does Haley listen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I doubt it. our conversations are usually the things that the rest of our family rolls their eyes at and go could you guys talk about something else (laughs) right right well anyway these are coding uh books and and, Mm -hmm. you know for kids and so uh uh, that's why i kind of wanted to know did i have to buy a separate compiler or because i found in one of them that you had to have already a a compiler but not only that there's a ten dollar a month fee to use yeah. the thing. So I said, whoa, that's not something I can give as a gift, you know? Right. Uh, so you got to really be careful when you're buying things just, uh, what what you're, you're really committing to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I wanted to understand this language, which was, they said was for kids. Well, they, there was also one in there is Python. And I, that, I perked my ears up, and I said, that's it's not, surely not something you could teach kids easily. And then after I read the reviews, my other parents who had bought it and their kids couldn't learn with it because it was too too tough I said yeah. well the reviews have confirmed my suspicion but anyway there's a kid language that sounded really good but I, I wanted to experience it you know and I, I don't know if they could execute it in this Kindle book right in the book but I'm thinking maybe that has something to do with how slow this thing's running if there's some actual code factory or you know like an interpreter behind the book somehow yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, you know that they could do that, but it, uh, yeah, that seems weird that it's it's somehow not. It's almost as if like the the book itself is not optimized to be read, but you know, to run on the Kindle, it's got to be a. Um, it's got to be the, Kindle code. Yeah, that Kindle. Yeah, that Kindle format. The whatever it's called. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it, but. Yeah. Um, so. Hmm. Anyway, th- those are my shopping experiences recently trying to get ready for Christmas and uh, they were they were new all of them that I told you about I just you know don't don't know the answers to why some of them behaved the way they did yeah the, especially the troublesome was the one where I had to really search and, and sort of hand wrestle with a Amazon app you know that that really surprised me yeah, you know, you no, those are, those are unpleasant experiences. I mean, that's the one thing Amazon has going for it, right? Is that it's easy and works well. You don't have right. to put, you know, once once you have your your information in there, you don't have to re-put anything in. You just click on it and it shows up. Yeah. And if and, if and, that doesn't work, then why are you going to Amazon? And you you can't imagine, given the choices that I had, how happy I was when I finally found the thing I really wanted, and I I bought it right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because I said, gee, I might lose it and it'll be gone forever, you know? Yeah. I do know that, that that's that's an issue that Amazon has struggled with over the years is discoverability. You know, when you search, they're, they're trying to guess at what the keywords are that you'll use to find every product, right? And so right. they're doing their best to do that. But I suspect that, you know, they, there's times when they... Are, most of the time they're successful, but occasionally they fail, right? And so you have a hard time finding it, and the seller has a hard time selling it because it's not like you're browsing down the aisle in a store and you see it out of the corner of your eye and go there. That's well, what I wanted. I'll tell you, there's, 
you've hit on one thing that's the real disadvantage of the uh, iPad. And that is when you're shopping and you accidentally touch the edge of the screen somewhere so that it now takes you somewhere else. And you say, My, this, this happened to mom all the time. Yeah. Says, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know yeah. where it went. Yeah, how do I get back to where I was? Because this is not yeah. what I was trying to do. But you bumped something. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I think that there was a way to um, a, under. I think it's under accessibility where you can adjust the recognition of inadvertent bumps, and you can make it more or less sensitive. And well, I'll have uh, to look into that because I. I, uh, Sue needs it, you know. She yeah. really does. Uh, it just happens too often with her, and then, especially when you're shopping, man. Now it's really frustrating because you lost what you wanted to do, you know, to buy. And uh, especially when you're with me, I, I do a lot of comparison shopping before I make a decision. You know, I'll, I, and in fact, I told her for comparison shopping. Why don't you think if if you think there's any chance you want to buy it, stick it in your basket, you know? Yeah. And, and oh, that's what I do. I put things, things in my basket, and then I'll go yeah. back. You know, so if I know if I'm looking for several things, as soon as I find each one, they go right in the basket, and then I then I I sometimes t- delete things out of the basket because I'll find some. You know, I'm looking for product A, but then I do a little reading and find that I really like this other other brand or other thing a little bit better. But yeah. I may have two or three things in my basket. And then I'll do like you know, spend a little time comparing before I buy one. Of course, as you learned, putting things in your basket doesn't necessarily save you, right? If uh, right. if it's a high sales day and there's not too many of those items, you better just get it. You can always return it. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. Apple does have good re- or Apple, um, well, Apple does too, but uh, I Amazon has good return policies. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got a lot of merchants to help them out in that regard, you know, so that you can. They're basically paying somebody else to be their return counter, you know. Kohl's is one locally here that, but even then it's not good because it's in the back of the store. I went there one time and I told Sue, I said, you know, we're taking anything back there. It's, you got to do it because I'm not going to go without my scooter because I was in this dang line. And I, lines and me don't work. I, I got to get off my feet. So, yeah. Anyway. So um, I, I found the, the section in iOS and iPadOS. It's, call, it's, it's called Touch Accommodations, and it's under um, Accessibilities. And you turn on Touch Accommodations, and then you can adjust the whole duration, whether swipe gestures are on, uh, whether it will ignore repeats, and, uh, and uh, you can adjust tap assistance. There's a variety of different things that you can uh, that you can play with that will help um, stop those inadvertent taps. Did you say under touch? It's under accessibility. It's called touch accommodations. Touch accommodations. I don't have anything that's that long. I'm under accessibility. Uh, let me see if I can find. I'm looking at a. At a uh, uh, article. So let me see if I can. You know they've changed. Okay, so go to un, under under accessibility. Go to touch, and under touch is touch accommodations. About the fourth thing oh, from the top. Oh, I see. Yeah. No screen will respond. And to then the if touch. you turn it on, you can um, you can. 
Oh, okay. Boy, I wonder how this works. Tap assistance. Use final touch location. Yeah. I would probably want to read a little bit more about those to see what each of those adjustments yeah. do. But the hold duration, you might want to uh, increase that from a tenth of a second to something more so that if she inadvertently taps, the hold duration, um, you know, if it's just uh, an inadvertent yeah. tap, then that doesn't, uh, it doesn't take that. Yeah. Or just or just turn it on and maybe a tenth of a second is enough. Maybe two tenths of a second is enough. You know, you can figure out what it is. Okay. But that that number probably could be adjusted so that she gets less inadvertent uh, touches. Yeah, maybe that would work. Okay, well, yeah, I'll have to play play with it myself yeah. first because I don't want to get her involved. If I can't. If I oh yeah, yeah. You don't want to change something on her her device and then uh, and not know what the <laughs> the effect is going to be. Um, you know, that's one thing with the newer designs, with the new uh, iPad Air and with the iPad Pros, is, you know, they they, they talk about, oh, it's got, you know, thinner borders and, and a more modern look. It also has less of a place to actually grab the dang device without touching the screen. Yeah, yeah, there's a downside to it. Yeah. I think you'll probably get oh. more... Uh, unplanned touches than less rather you know than than on the previous design um you know i'm sure you do uh the the having a square edge though instead of uh the the real fine edge that the tapered edge um gives you it allows you to grip it a little bit differently because you kind of can grip it by putting your your hand on the corner of the thing so um, yeah yeah it's you know six of one half dozen of the other i think that um you know the the current iPad Pros and uh, were sort of the one of the last iPad things that were done under uh, Johnny Ives' um, watch, and so when we see whatever the next version is, what that's going to look like, that will be um, you know his design influences will be fading over time, and I, I and I say that I've been I was a huge Johnny Ive fan for a lot of things, but I felt like in the last uh, five years of his uh, time with Apple, there was too many decisions that were being made for aesthetics and not for useful, actual, physical, in-your-hand touch. You know, and there are a variety of things you could point to that you could say that makes no sense. Like I think the Apple remote is like this minimalist design that he liked. Every one of my Apple remotes is in a thick silicone case that covers up the end that is the bottom of the remote because the way the thing is arranged, the buttons are all absolutely in the center of the remote. So if you pick it up, you can't tell the top from the bottom, especially in a, in a darkened room. You know, if you're mm -hmm. watching a movie in the evening and the lights are down, you can't tell yep. up from down on the stupid remote. It, it was, you know, and, and one end of it was touch sensitive. So you just reach for the remote and just yep. by the very sheer act of picking it up, you're making things stop and start and change on the screen that you didn't want to do. Right. You know, it was like designed for inadvertent touches, which is irritating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, Johnny, you could do better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things to be considered in, in user interface design. Just yeah. a whole lot of things. 
Yeah, I think you know, I, I think the design of a lot of the things that Apple has produced that were clearly you know influenced by his design team, and of course the you know even though he's gone, most of the people who did the design work are still there. They're just being led by you know other people now. Um, right. But that means that then that person's aesthetic will now kind of be, you know become the standard over a period of time. Um, you know, I uh, like when the uh, the new Mac Pro first came out. With the, they they called it like a you know they'd always called the the previous the the stand up Mac Pro, can. yeah but well the trash can was the, was trash what can. the round one but then the new one they called it like a cheese grater when the cheese grater one came out I absolutely I laughed the big giant holes drilled into it I mean it just these like yeah. you know inch diameter I thought it, I to this day I look at that and go that's that's an ugly computer I wouldn't want that in my office. Now, others yeah. look at it and say, oh, it's a piece of art. It's gorgeous. And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, it's different. But, yeah. and, and it's functional because of the way it channels the air in and, 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 and drives the air over the parts and pieces inside. I get it. I, don't, I just don't like it. I think it's an ugly yeah. device. You know, to me, uh, watching the uh, road show, uh, Antiques Roadshow, is one of the best examples of differences in people's taste uh, I have seen stuff valued at thirty to fifty thousand dollars that I wouldn't walk across the street to pick it up yeah I swear I, it's just it's just the way it is I said who in their right mind would ever spend that kind of money and it's only because of a name I do not understand the silly nonsense that they have that once an artist has got his name he's declared God so to speak and everything turns to gold yeah, the, everything nonsense. that person does is now valuable because somebody paid overpaid for it once. Now, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The art so, world is odd that way. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a strange set of gods that they adore. I mean, really, it is. That's that's the way they treat them. Yeah, it it is peculiar to say the least. Um, yeah, I um, you know, I, it's like the uh, the people collect these little Hummel statues. Yeah, I think they're ugly as, as sin, but you know, well, it's like you know, if you want to turn me off, call it a collectible. I, I instantly yeah. leave. <laughs> if it's yeah. a collectible, that just means you've doubled the price. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't mind you calling a collectible something that I already happen to have a collection of, because you know? <laughs> that means you've doubled the price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but other yeah. than that, yeah, I'm you know. Well, I appreciate. Fine craftsmanship, mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of that 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 doesn't even cost a lot of money, you know. Yeah, for some strange reason that just gets overlooked. But uh, you know, for example, I love to look at on that antiques roadshow at at old toys, mm-hmm. stuff that I saw as a kid, you know, that is still really quite marvelous in terms of of what they built it out of and how well it worked and and things like that. It's just a uh, there's some old things that that just don't don't ever make it to the you know many years past that for some reason but they 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 fascinate me <laughs> yeah know? i find it interesting um but uh you know it's funny when when i was younger i uh collected like models of porsches i like porsche cars and so i have some models of porsches 
And they're basically sitting in boxes at this point, you know, and I don't know that they've increased in value or have any real value. They were interesting to me at one point in time in my life and I collected them. I know that yeah. uh, we have some Christmas ornaments that were ceramic little Christmas ornaments that were my wife was fond of, but they, um, you know, they're factory made. So they're, they're, it's not like there's yeah. a limited number of them. There's tons of them out there. So they really don't have any value. And you look at those and you go, I'm not quite sure why we started collecting these things other than to just have stuff, you know, but when we were younger, somehow that seemed important to, to have, you know, it was okay. And it was something we did, you know, we, we would be out and go, oh, Hey, there's one of your whatevers. Let's get it. You know? And, uh, and yeah. now I look at it and go, I'd just soon have the money back, you know, because <laughs> now I not only have these things that I don't want, I have to store them somewhere. <laughs> well, and you can still find all those kinds of things that you like. I, I still remember a trip to a, a store up in Mooresville with Katie, and it had a whole bunch of old things, and I, I discovered her likings for old things. That's when she bought a bunch of old records, because she oh, had yeah. an old record, record player, you know. Uh-huh. And, I bought her that record player. Is that right? But yeah, anyway. she she asked for it. She wanted it because she wanted to listen to vinyl. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it even had the capability to record. You know, it was an audio out, so if you wanted to record it into your computer, you it would do. It was a converter, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And something like that. But anyway, we bought several old albums, and the other thing uh, that she loves is old cameras, right? And uh, you know, if and if, and those are. Uh, pretty collectible all you got to do is find Leica on it anywhere and you know suddenly it's yeah priceless. some old Leicas and some old Nikons and stuff are kind of interesting yeah. and they're interesting they're just I think you know because they're mechanical things there there's an interest in yeah. them well yeah. and old clocks have always had a good market too mm-hmm. you know yeah although if you're so. truly going to collect that kind of stuff then you really got to spend time educating yourself so that when you see you know old clock in said place or at at a you know uh, uh, somebody's yard sale or something that you yeah. know oh that's one of X Y Z's and it's worth X amount versus oh that's just a knockoff or that's a you know it's cute looking but it's not worth anything you really you're need right. to learn if you're gonna if you're serious about collectibles then you need to really educate yourself so that you're not the one going to the people on Antiques Roadshow you you could be the one you know you could be the expert on Antiques Roadshow right right. Yeah, well, and those expertise people—they're—they're they're very narrow in, in particular things that that they're experts at, you know. So, in order to really know something, you gotta you gotta read lots of books. It's like right. anything else, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you almost have to be because sometimes the difference between the one that's worth a whole bunch and the one that's worth nothing is just some little detail, and so you've right. got to be well versed in all those little details. Yep. So I used um, to. I used to love auctions. We used to have those all the time yeah. uh, around where I grew up, largely because people came out from the cities to get bargains from old farmers and ranchers who's, who had an estate sale. If it said an estate sale, that meant that some couple died and everything they got yeah. from their parents and their parents' parents you know, is going to be on the market. You can get yeah. good buys. All their know? stuff. Well, in fact, uh, when, uh, shoot, it's been years now, so I'm sure they've picked through a lot of it, but um, uh, a lot of uh, the people who still live in some of those little um, uh, farm towns like Cocker City and, and you know even Russell in Kansas, there's people who own little antique shops and they make all their money on eBay. 
because yep. they they go to these auctions and they buy the the you know the butter churn from the 1850s and the and the light fixtures and things like that and then they'll sell them on eBay for huge amounts of money because suddenly you have a an audience that's worldwide instead of just the people who come wandering through your town and see your little shop right right yeah that's that's perfect for those kind of businesses yeah well Todd I think it's meal time meal time you're gonna go eat i think i'll go eat too hey just as an fyi i sent you the link from apple's uh support page that talked about the touch accommodation and how uh, what each of the different options under that actually do so um you might want to read that before you start playing around with those settings so that you have an idea of what they do and how they might affect how the touch interface works okay um so, uh, so I'll look at that. I see it here now. Yeah. Just a good reference to see how you can adjust that. Maybe we can talk about that next time if you've had a time to play around with it a little bit. Because I think you're, you're not alone in that issue where, you know, you're inadvertent bumps or something. Especially when you're reading something because you're just holding it in your hand. And it's just natural inclination to sort of like, you know, not fidget, but your hand doesn't sit in the same exact position like a stone the whole time you know so you move your fingers a little bit and that's when you inadvertently touch the screen and suddenly now you're you know on a different page or it jumps you know the one i hate is when i'm i'm doing something and i've noticed that they have a tendency to put ads like right up against the edges so that you accidentally bump the stupid ads yeah i I think that's purposeful I think it's absolutely done, yeah. So suddenly now I'm looking at, you know, some sort of life cycle thing, and I was reading an an article about, you know, uh, volume production in China, and it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) That's that's prime real screen screen estate, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, I think it absolutely is. They get those little inadvertent taps. Um, Yeah, I just, it's funny, I just uh, listened to a podcast that they talked about the, how ineffective advertising really is. And that that several economists have done studies with companies where they've actually shut off advertising and seen zero effect. Of course, the folks at Google and Facebook don't want to hear that. They'll they'll argue that it's it's you know a huge difference. The one question I had in their whole study was they were doing this with company big companies like eBay and and it's like well yeah if somebody's searching for eBay then you know you already know about eBay. But what about mom's pies? Advertising might help mom's pies. Might not help eBay because they're they've got enough head of steam. You know they're a global brand. Yeah. If you, if you're going to do an online auction, you think eBay. But if you want a pie, you might think of you know lots of different places. And if you'd you, seen you, an ad for mom's pies, you might go go over to mom's. <laughs> you, know? you know, I I on this when you mentioned this touch accommodations thing before you sent me this or I was aware of this link. I thought of one that I might consider putting in, and that would be just shrink the whole screen. Get let me set the margins on my screen. Ah. I don't know if that exists somewhere, but that I might don't be either. Useful. But you're right. If you just just say bring it in just a quarter of an inch, give me a little bit more real estate that's not touchable. Right. And you know that's just a shrink. You know, and I don't know if it yeah. exists. But or even leave the screen the size it is. Just take the touch space and ignore everything that's a quarter inch from the edge. Right, so I have to touch in the center more. Start my my touch interface in a little closer, but my screen can stay big. Yeah, (laughs) you know, especially if you're using. Yeah, especially if you're using a a slightly smaller iPad. 
I mean, you know, you've got a 12.9 inch, so you don't mind maybe losing a quarter inch of space. But, but, but the uh, one, thing, one thing that annoys me, though, with moving my finger after I touch is that the screen moves, too. You know, the touch works as an anchor to grab that screen and move it around. So you, you can move it sideways easily, but you can't move it up and down if it if that's the normal motion. And there's some screens that go the other way, you know. They, yeah. they move sideways and not up and down. So uh, it's, uh, I don't know what to do. It must be a, you, there should be a button or something where you could say anchor the screen, you know, where there's a, <laughs> like yeah. hold it still, hold it steady while I move my finger around. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, by, by putting a touch delay, you know, so that you have to have your your finger in essentially the same spot for a period of time before it recognizes that as a touch, you kind of get mm-hmm. that. Um, I did notice that there was a note under there that if you set it for more than uh, 0.3 seconds, at three-tenths of a second, if it's longer than that, that when you put your finger on there, it'll overlay your screen with a counter showing you it counting down to when it'll now recognize it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. Uh, so, But you can go up to three-tenths of a second before it, it recognizes the touch without that. But anything over three-tenths of a second... It'll actually count down, and you see, you put your finger there, and you wait three, two. Well, okay, now I can move my hand. <laughs> well, see, you see, when I looked at that thing the first time, I touched the uh, hold, the du- I flipped the hold duration, and it came up with a number, a tenth of a second. Right. Well, numbers are, numbers are kind of meaningless, you know. What I yeah. really wanted to do is to 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 actually try it. I want a little trial thing here. Right. Touch it, and a little light comes yeah. out or something. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think it was. Um, I don't know that they ever did it on the Mac, but on Windows, when you wanted to set the uh, the click speed on your Mac for a double click or on your your PC for a double click, they actually you had you. Test it, by the way. There was a little thing yeah. right there in the box where you could set it. You'd go double click, and it's like, nope, I need it a little slower than that. Click, click. Okay, there you go. That's the one okay. I want. That's right. So any yeah. of these kind of tests, you need to. I mean, changes. You need to test them. Any. Of somewhere. course. Of course. Maybe. As soon as you make the change, it's active, and so you can test it anywhere. As soon as you yeah, make the change, so. test it right there on the screen. So yeah. maybe that's why they don't have a test area, because the whole thing is your test. Yeah, maybe so. Oh, well. Time to eat, Todd. Have All a good right. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.